Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We are in the last portion of chapter 19 of the Gospel according to John. We have seen the events leading up to and including the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have seen that Christ did not neglect his mother even in the time of his passion, the time of his death. Let me talk about the word passion for just a second. Uh, Often it's spoken that this is Passion Week or that this time that we're reading about here in, in the Gospel of John is the Passion of Christ. Of course, there was a movie some years ago that came out by that title. And what that simply means is that this is the time that Christ, or the period of of time in which Christ was suffering for me and for you. And it was in that time of trauma or passion of Christ uh, that we see the death of Christ and his crucifixion uh, and that his sacrifice was made, of course, for us. And so when we see the passion of Christ, we're talking about this time of agony this time of sacrifice that Christ made for you and for me. Now, we have seen the crucifixion, and we're at the point where he's going to be taken off the cross. Let's go to verse 38 of chapter 19 of the Gospel of John. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus, and wound it in linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now when the place... Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. Now this is something to to ponder about. There was this rich fellow named Joseph of the location called Arimathea, his hometown, who was a disciple of Christ, but he did it secretly. He was a secret disciple of Christ, much like, apparently, Nicodemus. Now, there are those who have studied this uh, far more than I, who tell us that Joseph of Arimathea was not only a rich man who had his own tomb, which had never been used, but he was probably a member of the Sanhedrin Council, uh, along with Nicodemus. Um Further, they go to say that in his richness, he probably owned land and mines as far away as what is now known as Britain. Uh, 
Britain was, for whatever reason, the uh, ten part was part of the Roman understanding of what they had in Brittany or in Britain. Brittany now is part of France, I guess. But uh, there was a, a number of tin mines there, and they mined a lot of tin. Uh, this is what uh, uh, the historians have told us about that area. And there are historians who venture to say that Arimathea, uh, that Joseph of Arimathea, was a tin mine owner and a magnate of sorts for uh, tin in those days. Um, that being the case, he would have been a very wealthy man. I do not know if that's the case or not, but that's what they say. Uh, and because there was a tomb close by, they used the tomb that he had. Um, they did that because they didn't have time to prepare the body properly. They didn't have time to do, uh, everything that, uh, they wanted to do, um, for the body and to uh, make it uh, as uh, as the Jews would normally do it. They would wash the body. They would uh, wrap it in linen and with all sorts of spices. Apparently they did that with about 100 pounds of spices here that uh, Nicodemus had brought. This was not a cheap thing to do uh, with 100 pounds of spices. It certainly wouldn't have been. But they were not able to do it in the fashion that they would normally have done it in the kindness and gentleness of taking time to wrap the body and to make sure that the spices were properly uh, uh, put into place and all that. Um, they had to hurry because preparation was nigh. Uh, they had to have the body in the tomb uh, and so he went to Pilate, that is Joseph of Arimathea, went to Pilate. Apparently, uh, he had access to Pilate, either through somebody he knew or himself. Uh, if he was a wealthy man, he would have had access himself to Pilate. All wealthy people have access to politicians, and uh, he would have uh, been able to have access to Pilate with no trouble. Um, and he asked for the body, and of course, Pilate gave permission, um, according to... Some of the um, synoptic gospels, Pilate was surprised that he was dead already, uh, and yet, of course, that was the case. And so they took him down, and Nicodemus helped him do that, and uh, they uh, wound the body in linen, and they put the spices uh, as best they could, and they buried him in this garden tomb. It was a new sepulcher. It was hewn out of rock. And it was a place that had never been used. Now, that would have made it a clean place, a clean ritually. It would have been ritually clean for the Jews. Um, and, and the people entering it and then leaving it could uh, celebrate the Jewish feast without any problem because they would still be clean uh, going into that uh, sepulcher. Now, they wouldn't be clean having touched the body of Christ. Now, I mean, I know there's little distinctions here, but they wouldn't have been clean touching the body of Christ because they would have touched death and they would have had to go and uh, be ritually cleansed and all this kind of thing. However, uh, anybody at the tomb uh, prior to uh, the entrance of the body of Christ uh, would have had no problem with that. Now, the uh, the tomb is uh, interesting in that it was not used before, and most tombs uh, in that part of uh, Israel, most tombs in Israel, 
um, if they were not just buried in the ground, the tombs would be from time to time cleaned out of the bones uh, of the um, of the uh, bodies that had decayed. And those bones would be placed, stacked up in, in one place or put in an ossuary, a little bone box, uh, perhaps even with the name of the person who uh, was deceased, uh, on the box. And in fact, we've seen some of those bone boxes be discovered in the last uh, 15 years or so in Jerusalem. Um, so what would happen is the, the body would decay and over time, a matter of 10 years or thereabouts, uh, some 20 years for some, uh, then they would just take the bones and put them in a bone box and set the bone box over to the side of the tomb. Then you'd have a new place uh, or a place for a different body uh, to be stored uh, for another 10 or 20 years until they put those bones in a bone box and did, did again what they had done before. Uh, and so the tombs were reused. This is not the case here with Christ's tomb. This is, this is a new tomb. It's a rich man's tomb, and it's a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea. And so they uh, buried Christ in the tomb, not, on, not in the ground, but in the tomb. And it was much like the sepulcher in which uh, Lazarus had been called out from. They rolled the uh, stone away for Lazarus, and he was called out from the tomb. Now, um, verse 20, or excuse me, chapter 20, um, and this is the first day of the week. This is the resurrection story. Uh, we've had the crucifixion story there in chapter 19, and so we'll be switching over to the resurrection story. We go from sadness, we go from pain, we go from tragedy, we go from, from the passion of, of the Christ and we go immediately then to glory and joy and rejoicing because Christ came forth from the grave. Now, how important is that? Well, if Christ had not come forth from the grave, <laughs> there would be no reason for us to celebrate the death of Christ because he would have been dead, and that would have been it. But we have the joy of celebrating the resurrection of Christ, and we celebrate the death of Christ because he arose. If, uh, if he hadn't arose uh, from the dead, we would never have celebrated the death of Christ because it would have been of no effect to us. And so there you go. Um, that's, the, um, that's the way it works. And so we must have the resurrection of Christ for us to have salvation because it shows forth the deity of Jesus Christ. It's very important. Um, let's see. Um, there were four post-resurrection appearances of Jesus to his followers uh, that John records. Um, and that's in uh, this chapter and in chapter 21. And so if you want to be looking for them, it's uh, the following. Mary Magdalene outside the tomb on resurrection morning. And that's all the way down to verse 18 of chapter 20. Uh, to ten disciples in the upper room. Uh, that's in chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. Thomas was absent, by the way. Um, and then to eleven disciples, including Thomas, in the upper room in verses 24 through 29 of this chapter. And then to seven disciples in Galilee in chapter 21. Uh, so that's the... Um, 
That's the thing to notice there. Also, several women besides Mary Magdalene were present on the first visit. Um, his clothes lay in an orderly fashion. Had his body been stolen, of course the grave clothes would not have been left. Why would you do that? You just would have taken the body as it was covered up. Uh, but let's get into the into the meat of the word, shall we? Um, chapter 20, verse 1. Resurrection day, folks. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, under the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him following John, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own house. Now notice something here. First of all, Mary Magdalene went first. She was going to go, of course, we know from the other uh, synoptic gospels, she was going to anoint the body uh, of Christ. Uh, we see that she came back very quickly without uh, having any encounter and talked to Peter and John. They ran out, uh, John apparently being a little faster. And uh, making a point of it, by the way, which I think is sort of interesting that he would make a point of that, but he did. And did not go in to the sepulcher. In fact, he stood outside looking in. And Peter went inside the sepulcher. Peter, being that uh, rambunctious kind of impetuous fellow, did not stop. Now, this is the one who had betrayed Christ three times. Denied him three times, not betrayed him, but denied him three times. Get my words right. He denied Christ three times. Uh, this is the fella who, uh, in the other synoptic gospels, they have Christ looking at him, uh, acknowledging the fact that he had denied him. Um, we don't have that in John, of course. We don't have that detail. Um, but here's Peter still following Christ, even though he had denied him. He was remorseful and he wanted to follow him. Uh, he was sad for what he had done, but he wanted to follow Christ. And here he was following him uh, by the fact that he ran to the sepulcher with John. And then he went inside. And he saw that the clothes, the, the these clothes that had wrapped this linen, that had wrapped the body of Christ, they were missing. Uh, not missing. They were missing from the body, I should say. The body was missing. The linen clothes were there. The napkin that had been around the face and the head and sort of tied together, you know, and sort of tying the jaw in and all that. That was laid over to the side. It was like he'd gotten up, he'd taken this off, and he was gone. And that's what he did, by the way, because he came forth from the dead. So what do we see here? We see these guys all excited about it, and John understood. We don't know if Peter understood or not, but John understood. He believed. 
And they didn't know that he was going to rise from the dead. Why? They had not listened as closely as they should have. I don't know that I would have known either. Would you have? When Christ said, uh, where I go, you can't go, and, and you can't follow me, but I'll be back to see you. And I mean, how would you take that, you know? So that was the problem. They went, in, they went to their own home then. They were just going back to their, their place where they rested. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. She was crying. She wanted to know where that body was. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Now notice, she did not think of him as being resurrected, did not think of him as being alive, did not think of him as removing himself on his own power, but she saw him as being dead and wondered where the body was. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Now here's a woman by herself, probably a slight woman, not a, not a hefty woman, not a, um, a uh, longshoreman by any stretch. And here she says, I will take the body. I will carry the body. If you'll tell me where it is, I'll carry the body. And we'll take care of the body like we should. We would not want to give any kind of, uh, of um, um, disservice uh, to the body of our Lord. And um, Jesus, speaking to her, um, said, Mary. And this is verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which means master. And Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and to your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Now, remember, John is writing this book, not in a chronological order, but a theological order that runs with time, okay? And not everything is included that you're going to find in the Synoptic Gospels. However, some different things are included in this Gospel of John that you don't find in the Synoptic Gospels. In this, for example, he doesn't go into great detail about relationships, he really doesn't, because he's presenting Jesus as the Christ, God the Son, the Son of the living God. That's who he's presenting Christ as. He's presenting him as deity, and he wants you to know him as the Savior. He wants you to know him as very God and very man. And so John does not give us all the insights that we find, especially in Luke, but also in Matthew and Mark, who have a different perspective, of course, on how they're presenting things. John has given us what he's given us, whether it be the signs or miracles, whether it be what Christ spoke, whether it be how Christ acted. He gave us all of that so that we would understand 
at least in part what Christ did while he was on this earth. Because John says, if everything that Christ did was written down, there'd not be enough books to contain all of the information about Christ and the works that he did. And so he wrote what he wrote on the basis of having us to understand so that we might believe on Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our soon-coming King. He wants us to receive Christ as the Son of the living God and as our Savior. And that's why he told us what he told us. And so we don't have all of the intricacies of conversation uh, after the resurrection that you might find in the other uh, the, the other uh, accounts, because he has a specific purpose, of course, in telling us about this. And so when we continue to study after the resurrection, which we will, Lord willing, next time, we'll continue to see the interaction of Christ with his followers following his resurrection. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.com. and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the postal service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423 Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.